Um, hey folks, this is Mark Prince here with you for episode six of the Coffee Geek podcast. This podcast is the voice of the coffeegeek.com website. And uh, you know what? A lot of you are new listeners that are picking us up for the first time on iTunes or, you know, from Podcast Alley or somewhere else. Coffeegeek.com is a website you should definitely check out if you have any interest whatsoever in quality coffee and, and getting a taste of coffee that is fine as really good wine or even if you want to go up to the espresso level, we're talking port now. That's kind of how I view coffee, and that's kind of how a lot of people on the coffeegeek.com website, it is a huge community with people from around the world who all share a common interest of just enjoying really good coffee. And that that's my point, is that most of the participants tend to view coffee as more than just a commodity. I think uh, the average person drinking coffee in the morning at home sees it just as that. It's a commodity. It's like, give me my cup. I got to go. I got to wake up. Urgh. That That's cool, and treat it as a commodity. Treat it as gas for your engine, whatever. But with this podcast and with the CoffeeGeek.com website, coffee is much more than that. It's not an addiction. It's not something that, you know, we need to jumpstart our engines. It's something that we experience for the, the culture that surrounds it, the rituals that surround it, and definitely the taste. I mean, you have not tasted what coffee is capable of until you've had some of the world's finest coffees from Kenya, from El Salvador, from Peru, from uh, Costa Rica, from Yemen, my personal favorite, Yemen Mocha Ismaili and Yemen Mocha uh, Raimi. Uh, just amazing cups of coffee that blow your mind in terms of, of the taste that you get out of it. It's not just something that tastes like coffee. It's something that has the taste of coffee as its base. And then all these incredible flavors and notes and profiles come out at you. It's not a commodity that way. It's it's something that pleases the tongue and stays with you. Uh, much like drinking a fine wine or drinking a fine port. If any of you out there are port drinkers and really experience genuine, good quality port, like a 20-year-old Tawny or a 30-year-old Tawny, or, you know, one of my personal favorite vintages in 1974, or even a 1994, and you taste the complexity that exists in that beverage from, from the nose at the start right through the aftertaste, guess what, folks? We experience that stuff with coffee, too. And that's what this whole thing is about. This is why I do this podcast, and this is why the CoffeeGeek.com community exists. This is people spreading the gospel of coffee as a pleasure, not a necessity or a commodity or even a caffeine addiction. In fact, one of the things I hate most about coffee is caffeine. I don't drink decaf coffee because I know the process that decaffeination does. However, I do find the caffeine an annoyance. You know, if I have my druthers, I'd love to be able to drink coffee all day long and not get a buzz. I think I have a pretty good tolerance against caffeine, and I'm certainly not the most hyper guy that people know, although I guess it depends on who you talk to. But caffeine just doesn't, you know, I could do without it. When I, I'm a judge in national and uh, world breasty competitions that will be next year for the worlds, and you know, we, we get up there and we do flights of six and and each judge in sensory is drinking 18 drinks in, you know, roughly two hours. And probably the biggest detriment to that is the caffeine buzz. It's kind of like, I guess, wine tasters. They have to spit out so often because otherwise they just get drunk after four or five glasses. And even then, you know, they get kind of punchy after about 20 or 30 glasses, even with the spitting. I'm sure that they could probably do without the alcohol buzz either. That's how I am with coffee. So caffeine is definitely not my favorite thing about coffee. But the taste, the romance of it, and there is romance, and we're going to be talking about that on future shows. Uh, the rituals, the, in, in fact, I think in the, in one of the letters I'm going to be reading later, we're going to be talking about rituals. And everything else, the, the, the aromas, the flavors, the senses, the going through the act of preparation, the enjoyment, the time you spend with friends, you know, tied in with drinking a cup of coffee. That's why I love this. You know what? Uh, kind of like really off on a tangent. We want to get into the show. Um, one thing I want to point out to you, if you do like coffee and you want to sort of find a complete tome of really unregulated 
coffee discussion, you should head over to groups.google.com and check out a news group called alt.coffee. That's A-L-T dot coffee. It's a Usenet news group, and it's been around since, I believe, 1993 or 94, and just a wealth of information there. I used to post there quite a bit. I don't post there as much anymore. Uh, you, you do have to weed through certain things. There's a lot of infighting, a lot of insular stuff, um, mainly because it's very unregulated and anything goes, but there's just a wealth of information there, and you should definitely check it out. So what do we have today? What do we have on tap? First up, we have a mail call. Yes, a mail call. And no, it's not mail strippers. It's it's email call. I'm finally getting around to answering some of our listener emails on air, and I hope you enjoy that. Next, we'll have a micro review of the anodized aluminum and steel Reg Barber Tamper. That's You can find that at regbarber.com. Uh, then we round out with yet another round table. This one features myself, Alistair Dury, Sammy Piccolo, and Aaron DeLazer. And it was recorded, I think, about 10 days ago. Um, we just haven't gotten around to editing the piece yet. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the show. And oh, one other thing, got to f- mention this. Uh, feedback is always appreciated at podcast at coffeegeek.com. Or you, if you want to leave us an audio question that hopefully we can play on air, you can call 1-800-332-9477. Two other bits before I get out the door, actually three. Number one, um, want to also invite you to listen to the portafilter.net podcast. You can find that over at portafilter.net. And my very, very good friends, Jay and Nick, party on Jay, party on Nick, uh, are doing that show over there. And they just did podcast number six, which is a really good one. I really enjoy listening to it. And last bit of information, last two bits. Uh, first of all, head over to podcastalley.com. It's a brand new month, and each month they roll over their votes. So we had so many votes in, in June, I think we had about 85 or so. And starting July 1st, that went back to zero, which means you can vote again. And we ask you to vote for our podcast. Just search for the Coffee Geek Podcast over at podcastalley.com. And also, while you're there, vote for the portafilter.net podcast. we got to get these coffee podcasts up to the top of the list. And very last, but certainly not least, uh, we were listed on iTunes, finally, in the podcast directory. In fact, I think we're listed twice. They listed two feeds. We have a feed burner feed, and we have our original feed. Kind of scary. But anyways, um, you know, uh, if you want to subscribe to us, just search for Coffee Geek over in the iTunes library, and you can do a one-click subscription. And wow, I tell you, being listed on iTunes uh, has really amped up our, our, our listener base. We went from averaging about 50 to 75, sometimes 100 podcast listens a day for all our MP3 files so far to, I believe, yesterday or the day before, we had 750 listeners uh, in one day for one podcast, and that was uh, 005. Kind of scary. In fact, we're, we're looking into probably switching to a different server just for the MP3 file soon. Anyways, that wraps us up. Let's get into the show. All right, we're up here for mail call. That's right, mail call. You can send your mails to Portafilter. Wait, that's the wrong one. Let me try that again. You can send your mails to podcasts at coffeegeek.com, either plural or single. Well, they're both direct to the same email address. So that's podcast at coffeegeek.com. And the best questions sent to me will most likely get answered on the air. You can send questions directly to me. You can send in suggestions for topics on roundtables, future interviews that we do, the whole gamut. Podcast at coffeegeek.com. So here we go. An email from a Coffee Geek lurker, Chris Sampson. <laughs> Sampson asks, I caught your last podcast and the budget $150 quality coffee in the home thing. I have two problems with that. First, I don't like French press coffee. And second, what if I only want to spend $100? Hmm. Okay, uh, let's go second first. 100 bucks. All the stuff I talked about in the last podcast about grinder and quality coffee being the two most important things, that stands. You know what? I've made better espresso. Okay, now listen to me, folks, real carefully. I've made better espresso shots with a $500 grinder and a $200 espresso machine 
than I have on a $5,000 espresso machine with a $50 grinder or with a blade grinder or worse yet with pre-ground coffee. And I'm not kidding. I'm not BSing you. The most important thing to quality coffee in the home besides good water and good coffee is the grinder. So, at a $100 budget, I'd still go for the Bodum Antigua. And by the way, if you go to frugal.com, F-R-O-O-G-L-E.com, uh, and search Bodum Antigua, A-N-T-I-G-U-A, I think it is. I turned up one last week that, that was for 50 bucks. So that's a pretty good deal. And here's another tip. If you don't like French press, what about VacPot? Now, VacPot's pretty intense. That's a siphon coffee maker. However, my friends over at Baratza, uh, B-A-R-T-A-Z-A, I think, dot com, sell a, a glass stovetop vac pot called the Yama, or Yame, which spelled W or Y-A-M-A. Glass vac pot. It's a five-cup model, and I think it's around 30 or $35. And I also know it's carried online by other vendors. So, you know, something to think about. There's 35 for that, 50 for the grinder, 15 bucks for good coffee. You're set. So, Chris, I hope that answers your question. You don't have to go with the press pot. You know, you can just go with the mocha pot and the Melita pour over and save yourself a few bucks. Or or you could go for a vac pot, which really is, in my opinion, the best way to make coffee outside of espresso. An email from Susan, who found us via the iTunes podcasting page. By the way, we were listed finally on iTunes in the iTunes store in the podcasting directory. Uh, we were listed a few days ago. Pretty cool being there, but man, our traffic has gone through the roof. We went from having like 75 to 100 downloads a day to, I think we peaked at uh, just yesterday, over 750 downloads of one podcast. I mean, it's kind of freaky. But anyways, yeah, we're listening to iTunes, and now we have some email from iTunes listeners, which is really, really cool. Anyway, Susan says, I found your podcast in iTunes, and since coffee is something I enjoy almost ritualistically every morning, Susan, <laughs> I like you already. Ritualistically, very cool. But where was I? <laughs> and since coffee is something I enjoy almost ritualistically every morning, it was of great interest to me. But the topics covered, especially in the early podcasts, were quite a bit over my head. Do you have any plans for podcasts that will ease those of us who don't know anything about espresso competitions or roasting our own coffee, ease us into better coffee? Well, you know what, Susan, my last podcast, that's what we tried to do. And also my rant at the start of this, uh, I covered a bit about that. I mean, this isn't about, this podcast isn't supposed to be about me. You're hearing my voice and I have very specific likes and don't likes in the world of coffee and espresso, but I'm not going to be covering that, you know, every single minute of every single podcast. I am going to cover things specifically for you, Susan. I'm, I'm going to be talking about how you can transition yourself from Nescafe or, or Maxwell House in the morning on to something a little bit better. And you know what, Susan, if you're into the, the ritual of making coffee, one of my favorite all-time rituals and what really got me into quality coffee, at least when I came back from Europe uh, many, many years ago, was a little afternoon coffee clash that I did with uh, Clatch, if I pronounce that right, with my friends. And it just involved, and yes, at the time it involved using pre-ground coffee. I didn't have a grinder. But it involved, you know, setting up a press pot, having my friends over in the afternoon, and instead of like a little afternoon tea the way the Brits do, um, we did a little afternoon coffee. And it was with a press pot. I'd brew it right at the table. We'd be talking about this and that. Uh, press down on, on the plunger, serve it up. It was just, you know, amazing. And we, we did it every, like once a week. And we usually actually did it every Tuesday. And this was back in Ottawa many years ago that we're, we're talking like 12, 14 years ago. The coffee was so much better than the taster's choice that I was drinking before that. And that's what I hope to cover in the show. Who knows in future episodes we may have like, we have a feature on the Coffee Geek website. It's called Espresso Revelations or something like that where we get people who have just discovered quality coffee to write their progression, to write an article that details their progression, how they went from instant and, you know, Tim Horton's double doubles or whatever into, you know, a ritualistic and, and artistic expression of, of coffee, kind of like how wine is, you know, sort of the beauty and the art behind it and realizing that there, this is a culinary thing. And I love those pieces. And I think something like that might be of real interest to you. So I hope I answered your question, Susan. Let's see. Here's another email from an iTunes listener. And I, 
I hope I pronounce this right. Sanjeet, Sanjeet, Sanjeet writes. I think that's a that's a woman's name too. Um, I'm so glad I found this podcast. I've listened to everyone so far and really like the KitchenAid grinder discussion. I was wondering if you're going to be discussing or reviewing some espresso machine choices and if there's any you could recommend on the quick. <clears throat> Boy. <laughs> I grimace because um, not a day goes by when I don't get this email on the website. Now, listen, folks, please don't email me this stuff anymore. Um, no, I'm not. Sanjeet, I'm not talking to you. Uh, I'm talking about where I get emails from people that want me to be their personal shopper. I would love to be every single person who emails me wanting me to be their personal shopper. I would love to do it if I could, if I had the time. But I don't. I just don't. This is why I created the Coffee Geek website, and this is why we have the review engine. Uh, and, you know, we have over 2,000 product reviews written by consumers. It's up there for you. It's up there for you to go and make your own informed decision reading the experiences of others. But since I read this email on air, guess what, Sanjeet? I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to answer it very briefly, and then I'm going to give a teaser about a future podcast. I guess if I could recommend espresso machine choices on the quick... Okay, I'll recommend one at around the $200 range, one around the $400, and then maybe a Super Auto. Uh, $200 range, I really like the Gaggia Carezza. Um, it has, you know, pretty much all the internal guts of more expensive Gaggia machines. Uh, cheaper housing, the whole works, and it's a great little espresso machine. I mean, it's a little messy, it's a little flimsy, but for the price, it's awesome. Uh, 58 millimeter portafilter. Uh, you know, steel or heavy duty portafilter as well. Really nice machine. Uh, you know, I'm not crazy about the froth aider, but you can't win them all. And at around the $400 range, I think I'd recommend still to this day the Solus SL70. And if you look for that on the Coffee Geek website, uh, Solus SL70, and you do a search, you'll see that I wrote a detailed review of it um, where you can find out more. I still like that machine. I mean, I, I wish Solus and Solus, if you're ever going to listen to this, listen. I talked to you guys last year at the SCAA show, and you politely listened to me and just nodded your heads like, yes, stupid Canadian, yes, yes, stupid Canadian, yes. What do you know about coffee? Yes, yes. But I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Solus, you've had that machine out for what, 12 years now? Time to update it. And it's very simple. Just change the group head. Change it from its like 52 millimeter cheapo Mickey Mouse portafilter design pressurized basket up to a commercial grade 58 millimeter group head and portafilter with a standard filter basket. And you want to know something, Solus? If you do that, that machine is going to be the standard marker at that price range. Mark my words. That machine has awesome steaming capability, has really interesting um, electronics and micro switches inside that keep steam performance working awesome. It brews a really good shot, but its Achilles heel is that portafilter size, the Mickey Mouse handle, and those pressurized baskets. Oh, for Christ's sake. You know what? This is not Switzerland. It's North America, and I don't want to sound like I'm regional here, but Put traditional baskets in there. The good news is, and the reason why I recommend that Solus uh, machine, is because you can buy from uh, the resellers aftermarket baskets that are just traditional filter baskets. There's no pressurized crap in them. And it brews a killer shot. And here's a bonus. The machine is not ESC pod certified. That means, you know, easy serving espresso certified. Pod capable. Uh, or it's not certified, but it is pod capable. It does ship with a pod filter basket. And here's the crazy news. This machine happens to brew pretty much the best pod espresso I've tasted. Um, I've got lots of different pod espresso machines, including Francis Francis and others. And they all have the ESC certified design, which is a really shallow portafilter and it's wacky. The, 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 the Solus one actually uses a traditional, uh, portafilter with a deep filter basket and there's just this little gizmo built into it. And it works better than the illy recommended machines. So that's awesome. Whew. Man, what the hell's going on? I'm ranting again. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm not going to answer the super auto, but I will give a teaser about what we're going to do on a future episode. I think a future podcast is specifically going to deal 
with you know good machines at various price points and who knows it may be a three-parter we may do like good machines at you know the under 400 dollar and the whole show's on that and the good machines under a thousand and the whole show's on that and a good machines where price is no object who knows we'll see anyways uh sanjeet i i hope that answered your question i'm kind of going off on a tangent i, I know i suck <laughs> shut up uh and at last email for this show it's from Sarah in Australia, and she writes me, can you please help us resolve our office debate? <laughs> oh, this is sounding familiar again. Uh, we were wondering how many coffee beans make up one cup of coffee. Also, is Nescafe blend 43, referring to 43 beans in every cup, or 43 types of beans in every cup? Thanks for your help. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. First of all, I haven't got a clue what Nescafe 43 is. Nescafe Blend 43. I uh, I tend to avoid, you know, the big four, Nescafe, Folgers, uh, Sara Lee, Procter & Gamble, anything by those companies. So I can't help you there. With regards to how many beans make up one cup of coffee, again, that's a question that can't be accurately answered. And the reason why is coffee is a foodstuff. It's a crop. It's agriculture. And in agriculture, you get different sizes of things. I mean, think about it. when you go to the grocery market and you look at apples and oranges or lemons, they're not all the exact same size. Well, you know what? <clears throat> they may be if they come from some like, you know, gen genetic, you know, mortation, mutation kind of farm. But if they're natural or organic, they're all over the map, you know, and coffee is the same way. Uh, in fact, coffee, uh, when it's green, is is sorted usually into sizes called screens. And uh, the smaller the screen number, the smaller the bean. I, I can remember seeing Maui Mocha coffee that was like a 10 or 12 screen, and it was minuscule. And then you can look at some of the Colombian Excessos and Supremos, and they're like 20, 22 screen, and they're just massive beans. So, you know, it's all over the map, you know, like you have roughly seven grams of ground coffee for every three to four ounces of brew. So if you figure a cup, you know, a typical cup of coffee is 12 ounces. And let's say we're using an average size bean, maybe a 16 screen. I don't know. There could be like, you know, 40, 45 beans per seven grams, maybe 35, 40. I don't know. I haven't got a clue. I'm just taking a guess. Uh, but let, let's just say 40, and then you times it by three, because you, the three scoops for that 12 ounces. Um, so, you know, there's 100, 120 beans in, you know, a typical 12-ounce mug of, of brewed coffee. Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. I don't sound too enthusiastic about it. I, I think it was the uh, the Nescafe comment that threw me out. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Anyways, that's our mail call segment. First one. Oh, God, I hope it's not the last. I hope you guys aren't turned off by the way I'm talking. Um, you can send in your mail questions to podcast at coffeegeek.com or call us toll-free with an audio question. I still haven't gotten a good one yet that I can use. It's getting frustrating. Uh, the toll-free number is 1-800-332-9477. That's 1-800-332-9477. Leave an audio question. We'll play it on air. Isn't that awesome? Anyways, let's get on to the next segment. Thanks, folks. Whew. Okay, what do we have next? Um, actually, up next is what I'm calling a micro-review, because it's only going to be about five minutes long, of a Reg Barber Tamper. These are industry standard tampers. In fact, Reg Barber is kind of the father of the modern day tamper. And uh, this was an interview conducted at Prado Cafe. And I'll, I'll talk to you a bit more after you hear this interview. So enjoy. I'm at Prado Cafe right now. And we're about to do a mini review, a real-time review in a real-time cafe of a product. It's a Reg Barber tamper, but not just any normal kind of Reg Barber tamper. It's actually an all-steel, all-metal tamper with an anodized uh, handle on it. And it's anodized blue. And we're here today with Matt, a uh, barista at Prado Cafe. I thought your name was Max. It, it kind of interchanges between the two, depending if you can believe that. So Max, uh, 
<laughs> I don't know what to call you. How about I call you Al? Sure. All right. Anything. Anything else. Al, you've been using this tamper, and everyone at Prada has been using this tamper for a month now? Yeah, about a month, yeah. And how many times a day would you would you guess it's been used? Probably somewhere between 75, 100, maybe a bit more on weekends, something like that. Wow, so 100 times times So it's been used roughly 3,000 times then? Yeah, around there. Yeah, definitely. Now, how do you think, when I gave this to you, it was pretty much new. There was no scuffs, no marks on it. How do you think that especially the handle and the anodization held up? Uh, really well, actually. Um, I mean, there we have braces who have different techniques. Um, not all of them are, are whacking the side of the portafilter really hard, but there are a couple who are kind of old school that way. And, uh, and I mean, it's been dropped a couple of times, too, and it's, it's held up really, actually, quite remarkably well, uh, most of us think, anyway, for sure. And um, the, the tamper is a slightly different design over the reg, regular Reg Barber design. Do you think this is better or worse than the ball tampers or the other styles? I like it. Um, it's, it's heavy, which a lot of people, after a lot of use, t- tend to maybe it, it becomes a little bit too heavy. But I personally actually like it a lot because it is so heavy that uh, it actually makes tamping, at least for me, a little bit easier, which is nice. And do you think that uh, the heavier weight is not going to be a detriment for things like carpal tunnel syndrome or stuff like that? I would not be able to tell uh, as a barista and not a huge technician on wrists and things like that. I mean, it's it's the kind of profession where you do a lot of anything with any equipment, you're going to run risks of things like that. So I don't think that if you are using this, it's going to be more of a risk than anything else. It's probably more how much you're using it than anything else. Uh, it's been in use for a month now here at the cafe. Would you say that it's it's everyone's favorite tamper, or is it is, do people mix it up with the the wooden reg barber you use as well? I think people it is mixed up a bit, but I think it is uh, unanimously everyone's favorite. It's definitely getting the most use by far. So um, I mean, we're a fan of Reg's work, pretty much all of it. Um, but this is kind of a novelty, and it's a lot of fun. So yeah, great. And if you were to buy a tamper today, do you think that's something you would buy? Yeah, I like the heaviness of it, and it's a nice look, too, kind of sharp and, and has a, appeal. I mean, it gets noticed by the customers, which is kind of cool, too. So, yeah, I would say this one, if, uh, if I was going to buy one, this one would be it. Well, thanks, Amy, for your opinion today. Hey, uh, no problem. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Sorry, Amy, or is it is it Mal? It's it's actually uh, Amu. <laughs> Amu. I know there's an M in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you, you got it. You got it now. Thanks. <laughs> this requires a few explanations real quick. First of all, the barista I talked to and interviewed, uh, his name is Matt. And um, he happens to be one of my favorite barista in the city of Vancouver. He does a great job of coffee. He's very passionate about coffee. And I very rarely get anything less than a great shot of espresso from him. Um, the fun we were having with names was partially due to the fact that Matt uh, has been called a few other names. No, nothing, nothing impolite, but just his name was confused a few times. Plus, I was hoping originally to get two or three of the baristi at Prado to be part of this interview slash review, but unfortunately, they were kind of hopping a bit there. Plus, Amy, the uh, the owner of the cafe, wasn't there when I went to go record this. With regards to the tamper, just to give a, a little bit more explanation about what went on, I dropped the Reg Barber off at Prado about a month ago and told them just, you know, bang the crap out of it. It's The handle is, is solid billet aluminum, and it's been anodized. And there's been some concerns about the anodization and whether or not it could stand up to the abuse in, in a cafe environment. Uh, all the knocking, the dropping, the slamming against the side of the espresso machine, the whole works. You know, would the anodization flake off? Would it stand up? Would it just look like a beaten hulk afterwards? So, you know, that that was sort of my, my impetus for putting the tamper in that environment. And it did come through amazingly well. The, the piston portion looks great. You know, there's just minimal scratching and, and sort of use markings on it. Nothing really to write home about. And the handle itself, I mean, it has a few knock stings here and there, but the anodization still looks solid. And if you're standing more than two or three feet away from the tamper, it, it looks like it's absolutely pristine. It's really stood up to the damage well. So it's a tamper that I really enjoyed using uh, in my house, and you could tell from that interview that they really enjoyed using it at Prado Cafe. And uh, to give you further information on that tamper, it is the Reg Barber Solid Aluminum Handle Solid Steel Anodized Handle. 
And I believe it's available for around $55 Canadian or about $45 US. And if you go to regbarber.com, that's R-E-G-B-A-R-B-E-R.com, you'll find more details about it. So Reg, another winner, another winning product. Thanks for sending it to me, and I'm really happy to bring you this review. Maybe there's something wrong with you, maybe. You take advice from the devil in the heat of the night. Black leather wild wild animal. We are here again, and we're, we're actually at the Elysium Room recording yet another round of... Uh, Roundtable discussion this time joining us is Sammy Piccolo from Cafe Artigiano. Hello, hello. Alistair Dury, the uh, host here from Elysium Room. And uh, Aaron DeLazer, the coffee missionary. Hello. So, the first topic I have today is actually kind of a weird one. It, uh, it came up in our forum. There's a thread that's going on our forums uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's still sort of continuing. It's about uh, what to do when you're going camping, and you still want good quality coffee. Uh, it's something I went through uh, about a year or two ago when I took my mom out camping. Um, but what about you guys? Like, Karen, you're, you're an outdoors kind of guy. Hey, I, you, yeah. did, you did the bike trip to Baja, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, there's some, some preamble here that uh, the folks listening didn't hear, but uh, it, it started to talk about, you know, carrying your awesome house grinder out with you. And I mean, as anybody that's done any bike touring or any kind of camping where you're carrying your own load, I mean, less is more, and there is no way on it. I mean, the, the idea is very quaint, you know, that I'd have my little Sassen House Turkish mill, and every morning I'd get up and, you know, first, heck, why don't I go and roast the beans, right? Why don't I fire up my camp stove, put the cast iron pot on top? Well, they grow coffee there. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. I'm some green, right? I'm, you know, in the Bajas, there's some local green. Actually, they sell green coffee available for roasting at, in La Paz in, in Mexico. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's silliness. I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, the, the ultimate cup to have some pre-ground coffee that I picked up from Allegro, you know, brewed through a comb, comb filter, done deal. I'm so when you're biking, yes, and that's your ultimate ultra-lightweight camping experience, Yes. Uh, quality of coffee is not important to you, you're there for the experience and... Coffee, coffee is by the wayside. It's pretty, it's pretty damn good coffee. I mean, the cone filter. Um, you pre-ground. Know, pre-ground, but small quantities every couple, it's every couple right. weeks. You know, depending on, on where I am. There's tons of coffee. I picked up tons of coffee along the west coast. Um, you know, so that wasn't wasn't an issue. And well, fair enough. Now, but yeah. what about if you're car camping? Well, then you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I'm a pussy. Hello. Yeah, so am I. I'm is a there pussy. a shower at this game? No. <laughs> yeah, Speaking true. of Baja, I'd is like to four star experience. Is there a four star experience? Yeah, four -star experience yeah do, you, with the do you put the tablecloth on the picnic oh, table when you're out there? And, yeah, uh, all right. Um, no, I, told, I was saying we should phone Ludacris up, get him to pimp our ride. Put a 220 volt Lamar Zoko linea in there. We start, you know, have the rover is built in. Maybe pop up the Mercedes exhibit or something. Oh my gosh! Um, when, you're, when you're camping, you, you always already have the ability to boil water. I would assume all you need is your beans and your grinder. Okay. Now, Dozen House make two grinders suitable. One is the, the knee model. I think we is, need some disclosure here. Which uh, is fairly lightweight. And I, the think other, we, I think we need some oh, disclosure. We'll get to that in a second. The second one is the Turkish grinder. Alistair which does sell Zazenhaus grinders in his cafe. <laughs> and I would take one with me camping. That's the whole point. That's the whole point I have them. Is that one of those uh, they're that they're you, so great. That you push the button and it... No no no, 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 no. They're handmade. They hand use different ones in Vancouver. Yeah. So if you, no if electricity. you were going camping, what would you use to brew? Probably press pot. Press pot coffee? Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably press, press pot. But you have to use enough coffee. All the way. Yeah. Yama, right? Sure. A nice, delicate glass to <laughs> vacuum brewer. The Hario. I'll take the Hario. Yeah, I'll take the Hario. I mean... No, no. Press pot. Uh, Boda makes some unbreakable press pots, I think. Aaron is thinking all three of us are total pussies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to hear... You said free ground. When was the last time did that anybody here, here sitting around I heard you mic, say pre-ground. I'd like to hear when anybody around the mic has most recently gone camping. I have. <laughs> oh, I, I have. Alistair was so in diapers <laughs> probably, right? It was can his you, mother can, and can you bring your blow dryer? Can you bring your blow dryer camping, or what's going on? Is it the Sheraton? I was camping at the Sheraton the other week. Oh my there was gosh. a bare rug. 
I saw that. <laughs> it's true. Know. It's true. You got me. Yeah, exactly. I haven't been camping in many so years. Arbitrary. Do you guys all know about my last camping experience? I wrote about it. I haven't seen. I haven't. No, I haven't. That was no. That was when it was my mom's last wish. Oh right, but the, and, okay. And uh, she, when we were growing up, we used to go camping all the time. It was Park. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Aaron. Yeah. Um, Park is a large provincial park in Ontario. It's very famous. It's it's huge, and there's actually like 15 different organized campgrounds, from ranging from the kind that would suit Aaron, the right. backwoods, bike. You have to bike into it or walk into it. To you know, full service, pull up your RV, plug it in, turn on the television, kind yeah. of kind of service. Yeah. Uh, the campground that we always went to as kids was Mew Lake, which was one of the more. It, it was it was a place they didn't allow motorhomes, they didn't allow motorized vehicles, but it was like tent trailers or, or yeah. put up your tent. Uh, and I took my mom there, and actually she doesn't drink. Co- she didn't drink coffee much. Uh, she um, she was a tea drinker, and I brought. Uh, a hand grinder it was actually a Peugeot, not a Zazenhaus. And um, I also brought a, mocha, a six cup mocha pot, and we had a Coleman stove. And the first morning, ground up my fresh coffee that I got in in Ottawa. I believe I bought it from um, there's there's a, there's an ethical coffee company in Ottawa that's pretty famous. They're associated with hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. Um, Grind it up in the morning. The first morning, my brothers were really into it, and the smell of the mocha pot, just this intense, fresh coffee, actually woke them up. And we enjoyed the coffee, made tea for my mom, and then the next morning, went through the same experience again. I woke up first, got the Coleman fired up. There's still, like, mist over the lake. We're we're camped right at the lake. Uh, Brewed up the mocha pot. My brothers woke up. What's that smell? Um, Then my mom woke up, and she was a little bit... Uh, invalid at the time, she had a hard time getting up in the morning, and I remember yelling out of the tent, save a cup for me, and I was quite shocked, because she didn't drink coffee, so, um, you know, I brewed, and we were making Americanos, but we were making a half-half, so it was like half the mocha pot, half hot water, Yeah. and uh, because cool. it was a little bit too strong for my brothers, yeah. so made all the cups, got my mom out, we went down, sat by the lakeside, she was drinking a coffee with me, and we weren't even saying anything. And then finally she just said to me at one point, this is the best cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. And I said, that's awesome. Just the circumstance, the environment. The The coffee wasn't that great even. But it was, for me to this day, the best cup of coffee. The ritual of it and being out there. And sharing it with her. That was an amazing coffee camping experience for me. That to this day is the best cup of coffee I've ever had. One of the best things about camping is coffee in the morning. Cowboy coffee. So, so why not have the best coffee? If you can have the best coffee, it's got to you got to grind it. You got to grind it right now. I'm bringing Alistair camping. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. I mean, I'll bring the grinder. I'll pack it. I'll hike with it. Yeah, to- totally. There's, nothing, there's there. nothing wrong with with, with car camping and I'll bring bringing all the gear and all the rest of it. But I mean, the the I see coffee as sort of, especially in, in a context of camping. I mean, it's less about the 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 coffee itself it and is. more about the facilitating of conversation and the memory of sitting mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, what, what would you do if you know somebody brought some Bailey's Irish cream, and, you know, and slapped it in your, you know, Alistair's, you know, perfectly made, you know, coffee that he's like filtered <laughs> the water three times, one for Giardia, you know, one for chlorine, one for. <laughs> Part of it is just that we're having a coffee and we're sure. sitting down, we're going to talk, and hey, Bailey's, yeah, you're man, right. the morale of the, you know, the campsite just yeah. went up. That was yeah. my point. That that's why that cup of coffee with my mom was the best I've ever had in my life. It wasn't the taste; it was the experience. Right. Yeah. Don't bring Alistair camping. He just make it really boring when it comes to coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he'll be like, "Oh, load him up." I mean, he can carry the tent too. I mean. Alistair <laughs> will take six attempts on the mocha pot to brew the perfect shot. Oh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> hey, that one looks good, Alistair. No, that's not good enough for you, Aaron. Checking people oh, for ice yeah. cream and babies. Jeez, be like, it's almost time for lunch, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're for just lightweight, but have the experience. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, my experience in camping, it's it's nice to sit around here in the comfort of, you know, uh, the Elysian room and talk about theoretical camping. Like, you don't want to be carrying any extra weight, nothing. So you can get a, a really good cup of coffee. Even if you got these? Yeah, even if you got the guns, like Sam. <laughs> Sam's um, got big guns. Big guns, baby. Sure. Um, now, Alistair, uh, you're more it, yeah. the technician. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I tend to go with that little bit, little bit extra. But um, I, I do agree with you, Aaron. I mean, you know, 
Sammy, you're know. just you're you're looking for your Nobody hair dryer. Nobody even asked me. You're about looking that. for yeah, your hair dryer. But I think you're right. Yeah, I'm looking for. I'm going. Plug can, it in. Where can I plug in my hair dryer? The experience hey. does overwhelm the quality often, no. and uh, the important thing is that you have coffee with you. Honestly, though, I think I'd probably mix both of you up by. Probably grind it if I'm only gone for three days, but right. I'd probably use a plunger like you. Yeah, you noted to- two weeks, Mark, so I'm thinking, oh, two you know, weeks. Yeah. two weeks. Initially, we were talking about like a two-week trip for, for pussies that are in their car. Well, yeah, but I mean, you can get small quantities and, and pick it up along the way. I mean, I loved going to local roasters. I went in um, L.A., I went to uh, Grafeo. You know what? Alistair brought up a good point, which I want to segue into the next topic. That's, but before we do, actually, uh, Aaron has to leave us, unfortunately. So we're going to say our goodbyes now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank Pleasure. You for Pleasure. Thank you very much. Perhaps next time. Yeah, for sure. See you soon. Okay. See you guys. Take care. Our next, our next topic is actually something that's also come up recently online. Uh, Bronwyn wrote a really great thing about um, uh, uh, cafe culture in North America and is, you know, where is it going? Is it dying? Uh, I remember my friend Chris Casey wrote a response to it that, uh, you know, takeout cups should be banned because it eliminates. We were talking about this this culture, this experience, how you can even have mediocre coffee, but if your surroundings are amazing, the discussion is amazing, the people you're hanging out with is amazing, you're the coffee is so much better. Um, Alistair, it almost sounds like, you know, uh, you still want that quality. There's no... I don't want to speak to No, I, I, I can relate to that. I can relate to that a lot. Because, you know, when I go to my... You know, going to your parents' house or going to somebody else's house or traveling, when, you, you know, you don't have any coffee with you. And you go somewhere and the people are so good and they're so pleased to make coffee for you. And even though... Whether it be coffee or food or anything else, whether it be a meal... It's something you might not enjoy, but if the experience is wonderful, it puts a smile on your face. And that's what I want to ask both of you, and I'm going to get a response from both of you for Sammy and Alistair. Can you go and drink mediocre coffee and still enjoy yourself, Sammy? Well, I'll be complaining about the coffee. You will be. I, I might be able to, well, it depends. I most likely, I don't know, when I go into a coffee shop, a lot of the times I'm going in there to try the coffee. So if I go in there with high expectations then. But see, you're, you're the analyst here. I'm asking that for just a sensory, uh, uh, not even a sensory, for, for a cultural experience, going out and having a good time. Can you do that oh, and still drink media? I can, in, I can definitely enjoy myself. Like right. if, uh, like if, you know, if my company's fine, if the view's fine, if, uh, you know, I'm just uh, doing a crossword puzzle or whatever, but if the coffee's mediocre, it doesn't mean I can't have a good time. Disappoint- disappointments are based on expectations. Uh, if I go somewhere like a Tiziano, I expect the coffee to be great. Uh, but if I go to, like, your house, Mark, and be like, well... You expect it to be Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> exactly, you know, exactly. whatever. Um... Oh my god, I'm getting roasted here. First I got called a pussy, now I'm told that the coffee in my house is... Well, but, you know, I'm going to have a good time. At least you get... But can you... What about the going out to... Like, say you're... Let's just throw it out. We're in Calgary. Okay. You know, you're you're traveling around. The three of us are, like, you know, meeting up with a bunch of people. And they go, let's go for coffee. And we go to this cafe that we never heard of. They don't... These people we meet don't even know we're into coffee much. Right. Can you enjoy it, or are you... Let me just throw this out. Are you going to complain about the coffee? I can can answer that. It's mediocre. I can... I'll never go up to somebody and say their coffee. No, to your table. To your friend. To these people you met. Oh, if they're people I, I know, I'd say... This coffee is horrible. But so if you it was would complain about it. But, well, I would say, you know, it wouldn't be the people's fault because they're just probably uneducated. Sure. But How about if it's somebody I didn't know, I wouldn't go out of my way to say this is bad, although they would ask my opinion. If they knew. And Alistair? I think it's really important. The atmosphere is important. The service. Uh, do they have smiles on their faces? Do they, are, they, are they trying hard? Are they, are they trying to make your experience uh, welcoming and, and, and feel good? If they're doing that, they've, they've come a long part of the way. Right. I think coffee is a lot about experience, the ritual of coffee. Let me, uh, me look, I'll explain like how I fell in love with quality coffee because it's totally related to this. And it actually starts with a story about really shitty coffee and then moves on to slightly less shitty coffee. 
then transitions into good coffee. But key to the second and third part is the environment they were they were experienced in. My introduction to coffee was like through most most of us through my dad, through my parents. And my dad drinking instant Maxwell House. Ritual in the morning, two scoops if you can believe it, into like a twelve ounce mile. Uh, you know, massive caffeine jolt. Lots of sugar, lots of milk. And you know, when you're 13, 12, 14, you want to emulate your dad, so that's what you do. And that's what coffee was to me, right up through high school and university. Coffee was just, you know, like if I had coffee, yeah, like a double double at the mornings. You know, then I went to Europe, and um, the first place I ended up in Europe was Paris. And I completely and utterly fell in love with the cafe experience in Paris. That was the be-all, end-all for me. Watching, you know, being a voyeur, watching the, the world go by, drinking your little demi-task. Mm-hmm. The coffee sucked. But it was that much better than Maxwell. I, I wouldn't even say that. It was bittersweet. Okay. You know, it's just that the sensory environmental experience that went along with it. You were romanced. I was romanced. Then I went to Italy, and I got the exact same sensory visual experience uh, you know, an environment, but on top of that, I actually, for the first time in my life, got to experience what really, truly good espresso and coffee was, and then I was hooked. That was it. But the real introduction for me into what coffee could be all about was Paris, and was that cafe experience, was the environment that came with coffee. One of the reasons why I ended up staying in Vancouver was coffee as well. Uh, and it has to do with cafe experiences. In Ottawa, where I was born and raised, and I would say even in Toronto, not in Montreal. Montreal's its own unique experience. But in the East Coast of Canada, when you go into a cafe, it's completely alien, alien to speak to strangers in the cafe. People just don't do it. They'll sit down, they'll order the drink, they'll sit down, whatever, they'll talk to their friends, but they will never, ever strike up a conversation with a stranger. And if you do, people look at you weird. Okay? But when I first came out to Vancouver, this is after I'd been in Europe and after I just totally felt fallen in love with the cafe experience and coffee. Um, I remember actually, and I owe this to Starbucks. I, I was in Vancouver, I believe, in 1992. And I'd seen my first ever Starbucks. It was over on Broadway and, um, and um, near uh, McDonald's. And I went in, you know, I know espresso by this point, man, you're up, here's an espresso shop, Starbucks means nothing to me. Ordered my drink, decide I want to go outside and sit in the sun. I go outside, there's one table available out of the four. I sit at that table. At the table next to me is a guy who's in a three-piece suit, okay, very prim and proper. Then another customer goes into the Starbucks, and it's a fellow dressed up with chains and a mohawk, looking real rough. He comes out with his drink. He looks around and he looks at the uh, the fellow with the three-piece suit and asks if he can sit down and share the seat. And the three-piecer guy, no problem. They sit down and the Mohawk guy and the three-piece suit guy start up a conversation. I'm sitting there like, excellent. This is freaking amazing. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about the cafe experience is everybody is somewhat equal. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, coffee is really not that expensive. Almost anybody can find two or three dollars to go out for a cup of coffee, and that creates everyone to be somewhat equal. Uh, but what uh, my point was is that on the East Coast of Canada, at least at the time, and even today, I, I was back there quite a bit in the last few years, people, people keep still themselves. don't talk in cafes. Here's a question for you guys. You go to that nice restaurant with a good experience and the nice people with the nice cafe. Do you go back to that cafe if the coffee isn't great? Or do you go to a cafe that has maybe not as good atmosphere? I used with to. better quality coffee. Which one do you go back to? If I well, there's com- there's always tea. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't drink tea. If I felt comfortable in that cafe, even, and I enjoyed my sitting in there uh, with the experience there, even if the coffee is mediocre, I'd go back. I, I give a 50-50 weight. So yeah, 50-50, I think, is a good. If you had to pick, do you, I want to go to a cafe with quality coffee or with the environment? I don't know what we say. It's 51% experience, 49% quality. 
Actually, I'd even go further. I'd say it's 60-40 for me. Like 60% experience, 40% okay. taste. You know, it's different. There's times where I go to a cafe where my mission is taste. Yes. Because either I want to evaluate the cafe, I've heard good things about the cafe. It's where you will spend more time. Mm-hmm. Is in a and somewhere where you feel comfortable. But when where I'm you might meet somebody or you'll see people hanging out in conversations, people coming and going. It's all about people watching. For environment, what's your favorite cafe in Seattle? In Seattle? You know, I, I really, I like Victrola. Um, but I have to, you know, I, I love Lighthouse. Oh, that was, you took the words right out of my mouth. I really and like that place. There are some people who kind of diss Lighthouse, and then the thing is, in, in terms of barista competitions and, and the, 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 the barista community, Lighthouse kind of goes their own way, and they don't really get involved in that stuff. Like, they have no interest in, in competitions, not even judging or anything. Uh, but and they roast their own coffee. And I, it's tiny. It's like it's like a corner store. No, and the coffee's actually pretty good. The coffee is awesome. A place like that, you know, this is a thing in Seattle. You can be in the middle of, you know, like a corner store type of place, and you can be smoking busy. Do you notice that in Vancouver? Vancouver. Um, Make sure you pronounce it properly, Sam. Yeah, sorry, Jay. Say it again. Vancouver. Vancouver. A- How do you pronounce Artigiano? I don't know. I, I, I thought it was Artigiano. That's what I thought it was. No, no, it's Artigiano. Artigiano. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt. Where was that? You were talking about uh, the cafes in Seattle. Cafes in Seattle, and you were talking about Lighthouse. I haven't been to Lighthouse, but oh, I really like Heinz, and I really like the yeah, Corolla. I enjoy uh, yeah. the experience also. I, for, I love going to Zolka. I, 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 just, I like I don't I like the fact that not chair, not every chair is the exact same. They got the roaster in the back. No. Not every cup is the same. But too many students with notebook computers. It's Zoka now. There's a lot of things that Zoka do. I feel um, a, better than a lot of people. Like you just just look at their emblem. You go in there and you see their logo. That's a re- it's a really nice professional catchy logo. Alistair, you uh, communicating. Alistair, you're making a face there. Uh, sure I, just, I just find it a little too corporate. It's totally West Coast, though. It's I'm like not. A, there's a. It's. They got the native. Did you see it? Or do you know what I'm, I'm not digging. So I don't know. I'm not sure which. Whole, maybe I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm not digging too much on the whole, you know, home of the champions market. Oh, I never. I don't yeah. know about that market. I, I only saw that at their at their booth. I'm not sure if. It's everywhere. It's on the okay. site now. It's, yeah. it's right on the front page. I mean, it's something to be proud of and stuff, but let, let's face facts. I mean, Foom is a trainer, and she was brought on as a trainer after she, you know, was, was on her way, and, and people knew what her her positioning and role would be in coffee. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to diss you know what You know what I like about the cafes you mentioned, like Lighthouse, Heinz, Victrola? They're humble. Yeah, they are. They're humble. They're all about coffee, and they're all about their uh, creating a down-to-earth environment for to to be to cater to 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 everybody. I think that, I, I think I would agree that Victrola and 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 Lighthouse definitely are humble. Uh, I think Pines is humble too, but a little less so. It's beyond humble. Yeah, I mean, come on. Let's, but, well, I don't know. I, I've gotten some attitude behind the bar, and it's not from Fung or from John. It's you know, the, speaking of attitude behind the bar, this is like another flash topic. I'm just going to say this quickly, Sam. Flash topic, flash topic. Flash topic, flash topic. I'll always take attitude behind the bar as long as the cup is backed up. Like, the cup backs it up. Like, I've gotten total attitude at Hunts from a couple of the Reese's. Some of them are no longer with the company. But the fortunate thing is that they always backed it up in the cup. Mm-hmm. I can't say that for a lot of other cafes in the Pacific Northwest. A little attitude can be little uh, attitude. can be entertaining. Oh, I don't mind a little attitude. Yeah. At all. But when we were talking, when, when I brought Zolka, we're we were talking from a customer's perspective. You walk in there, it's always busy. They got the communication. You know, they talk about what's happening with the company. They got the music. They got the nice logo. They got the beautiful chalkboard. The nice menus. The original one to me, I really love. I love Heinz. I love Lighthouse. Um, I, you know what? I'm gonna publicly diss a cafe in, in Seattle. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna help them. No, they, are they you need to do something? Zeitgeist. Okay. Zeitgeist. I, I haven't mean, been there. Where is you it? know, every, you know, like we've brought some of the best espresso people in the world down to that cafe in the last couple of years in Seattle. Like last fall for the SCAA fall meetings. And again, this spring for the, for the was there was there a reason you took them there? 
it was just one, you know, they used to have a pretty solid rep, and, and it's a, be- by the way, it's a beautiful cafe. Okay. It's absolutely stunning inside. They have a four-group GS2 machine right. in there. It's really sweet. Paddle group. The paddle group. Uh, the staff there, complete attitude, and complete, this is like, I use a phrase, ignorance breeds arrogance and vice versa. Mm. That is at Zeitgeist in space. Okay, first of all, they have a GS2 machine. Which is like an amazing machine to brew on if you know just the simplest things about it. It's a paddle wheel group, which means it has natural pre-infusion. Which means you control the paddle, you decide how much to pre-infuse, and then you slam it home, baby, and brew the shot. Now, you know what? When you order a shot there, first of all, the portafilters are dirty. They barely clean them out. They insert them like they, they dose coffee into it wet. The coffee is like sometimes stuck in the grinder and you're getting last, the stuff they ground five minutes ago or whatever. Then they put it into the machine and they just slam the paddle wheel over. Just like, boom, done, and burn the shot. Get the hell out of my shop. You know? And it's like I cringe. You should have took the machine. Did you say? Did you say anything? Did you bring I it up? I used to. It's just not. No. It's it's like hitting your head against a brick wall. And it's such a shame because when you go in there, they have something. Where they have a couple of things really unique. They have a magazine set up which is really sweet. But where you come, go to pick up your coffee. There's like a little standing table that has little bank lights on it. That like you know if you're a serious espresso connoisseur that's where you would stand the lights you could totally evaluate like the, the table's up almost at, at about chest height nice and and you could just evaluate your espresso and zip it and leave it there and you know you could tell it was designed by a, a guy in a company the owner whatever where they, there was an appreciation yeah, so for espresso. do you think it's maybe just the staff of the season oh it's totally the staff it's totally just of the season or no I've, all the I've, time the last three years. I've, Every time I've gone there, I've, I've felt like crying. I, I didn't want to use this round table to, like, out bad places, but something's got to be done there. It makes my heart... I, I, my heart bleeds when I see that place. There's there's so much potential, and it was so obvious that whoever designed the place, whoever built it, whoever owns it, maybe currently or when it was first built, that there was a serious passion for quality espresso. But the current staff there, man, they need, they need to be bitch-slapped. When you don't focus on what's most important, what keeps people bringing in that coffee, especially in such a you know high competition city, like a lot of people put out quality coffee in Seattle. Well, that guys, they don't. I mean, I don't know. It's man, I swear to God, the next time I go there, I'm just like, I want to like just jump over like just the bar and like <laughs> slap the barista out of the way and go, I'll show you how it's fucking done. Let him out. You should go there. And we should wear a cape. You know, a suit. Coffee Geek Man? Oh, no, no. Man, just think, just think of the feedback online. I'll do it anonymously. We should. Anyways, I, I, I can't talk about frustrating. And I, I don't want to use a roundtable to just, like, talk negatively about anyone. We want to be positive. But Zeitgeist, if you're listening, smarten the hell up. Um, should we finish out with some shout-outs? I think, uh, I think so. Say, like, uh, hi to Nick Cho and yeah. uh, Jay Carrigan. Well, we, we heard their podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And um, the, uh, they, they, they had a lot of fun with us Canadians. Yeah, they did. Mm. They don't like the way we say Vancouver. Yeah. Or maybe it's just me. No, it's you. Oh, it's is all it just you. me? You'll yeah. never, you're never going to get my impersonation down, okay, Nick? You know, I, I don't got one of those... It does do a good dismiss. Oh, yeah, I don't go, yeah, but dismiss is one of those voices that people can impersonate. I don't have one of those voices you can impersonate. I don't think. I really Mark like what Prince, they were... on the other hand. I really hope they do another show with uh, Peter Giuliano. I think that was really good when he comes back from... I think it's Kenya. What he's there with, he's he's there with uh, Dwayne. With Dwayne uh, doing, down. like... Uh, cupping with farmers I think that's fantastic I really want to hear about that kind of stuff I want to hear Chris Tacey on the show too That'd oh man I, you know what Chris should be on every single one yeah of come on he's got a lot of stuff Chris where are you, yeah, you got he's some... a freelancer now yes he is Bronwyn was excellent as well that Bronwyn was Bronwyn, I, I, yeah. I don't appreciate her telling Nick no my voice is supposed to be higher I didn't think I had a high voice there Bronwyn I never thought my voice I, you was you know what I high. couldn't figure out is that it seemed Bromwell was kind of oblivious to all the pot references that the boys were making. What pot references? Trying to play it down a little bit? Well, there was one where it just completely went over their head when she was talking about transporting green beans across the border. <laughs> no, didn't it go over her head? Yeah, that's what I mean. She was oblivious to that one. Uh, Your mom know. might be listening. Well, she thought it was a serious show. Yes. Not the Wayne's World, the, of the coffee podcast world. What is Party it? Party on. Party on, Jay. Party on, Nick. Party on, Jay. 
You're not going to do it off? No. Pretty on Broadway. Come on, More shout-outs to the, the uh, Victrola crew in Seattle. I think they're doing great things down there. And that's how it kind of ended. <laughs> uh, yours truly accidentally pressed the stop record button which is why the podcast ends really abruptly. Also, I want to point out that the the roundtable uh, was recorded about 10 days ago, so it's a little out of date, but we thought it was fun and we should play it. Well, that's it for this podcast, the Coffee Geek Podcast 006. Uh, once again, if you want to get in touch with us, email us at podcast at coffeegeek.com. Go to podcastalley.com and vote for us. We'd appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Take care, folks.